Amen. Thank you. You may be seated this morning. Uh, The title of this morning's message is The Invitation of Salvation. We're going to be in the book of Isaiah in the Old Testament, chapter 55, verses 1 through 13. So if you have your Bible with you this morning, go ahead and be turning there. Isaiah 55, verses 1 through 13. And as you are making your way there this morning, I want us to begin by thinking about just a few things this morning before we approach this text. You know, many times in today's world, if we want to be a part of certain groups, there are certain qualifications that must be met. For instance, if you decide that you've always wanted to be a Marine, that is wonderful. But you know, just simply wanting to be a Marine is not quite good enough. There's quite a bit of things that you have to do before you are actually a United States Marine. Again, just wanting, simply wanting to be a Marine is not all it takes, not by a long shot. And let's suppose that you have reached the point in your life where you think, you know, I've got some time on my hand. I really need to be doing some type of service work throughout the community. So maybe you might think, oh, well, I'll check out the Rotary Club. That's wonderful. As far as I know, the Rotary Club is a wonderful club. But I'm sure there's some type of qualifications for membership. And you would want to look at that to be sure that it was actually something that you supported. What if you've always wanted to be a doctor? That's wonderful. And you know, Greensburg Baptist Church is blessed with some wonderful physicians, many nurses. It's almost, it's really unusual we've got such a high concentration of medical professionals here. And that's wonderful that God has sent them here. But you know what? It takes more than just wanting to be a doctor to actually become one. You've got to go to college. You've got to go to medical school. You've got to, you've got to do satisfactory work. You've got to pass. And then finally, you can attach the phrase doctor to your name. Well, what's it look like if you want to be a Christian? What's it look like if we want to be a Christian? Did Jesus just come for, for just a, an elite few? Or did He come for everybody? Did He only come for a certain social class? Or did He come for everybody. That's what we're going to be looking at this morning. We're going to be talking about the invitation of salvation. Again, Isaiah chapter 55 verses 1 through 13. And just an attempt to save some time this morning, I'm not going to be reading the scripture in its entirety like I normally do as I preach. But it's going to be on the screen. And I'm going to trust that you're going to be following along with me, either on the screen or in your Bible. And if you are joining us by the radio this morning, I will do my very best to tell you which verses that we are in. So we are starting with verses 1 and 2, and we're going to see immediately in these two verses that there is a free provision for every need. Not just for some of our needs, but for every need. The first two words are very important here. Come, everyone. Come, everyone. So that answers the question for us right there. The invitation of salvation is not just for a few. It is for everyone who will call upon the name of Jesus Christ. But this verse says, Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and he who has no money, come by and eat. Now, when we think about that in context with our society today, how can we buy stuff without money? What can we buy? If we have no money, 
So how does this verse make sense? How can we be expected to buy anything with no money? You know, there are very, very few things in our society today that are free. Would we agree with that? Very, very few things are actually free. Sometimes those things that are marketed as being free really are not free. There's some type of hidden cost. But we are being told in this verse to come and buy without money. Could it be that the reason for that is because Jesus Christ has paid the price once and for all when He died on that cross? That's exactly the reason. He has paid that price once and for all, the ultimate sacrifice. Now, when we look at verse 2, we're posed with a question. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? And, you know, that's a very important question because, you know, as a general rule, we have become a very, very impatient group of people, the human race. Society has drilled into us. You've got to have the latest and greatest of everything, whatever it is. And if you don't have it, you're lagging behind or your child is lagging behind because you don't have that. You know, folks, if we always have to have the latest and greatest phone, if we always have to have the latest and greatest car, if we always have to have the latest and greatest house, you know, we're going to find, we're going to reach a point in our life where we are not going to be satisfied with anything. I wonder, are we satisfied? Do we realize that there are some things that will satisfy temporarily? Worldly things will satisfy temporarily. But I'm telling you this morning, there is one person who can satisfy eternally, and his name is Jesus Christ. I wonder, do you know him today? Are you certain that you know him this morning? If you don't, there's good news. I'd like to introduce you to him. And as we move to verses 3 and 5, 3 through 5, we see that we can have citizenship with God. We can have citizenship with God. Look at this phrase, come to me. We need to realize that this invitation that we've just seen in the previous verses, we're not being invited to some type of simple soup kitchen where we barely get our needs supplied, where we barely get enough to eat to survive. We've been invited to a banquet. And when this verse says, come to me, this is Jesus that is giving the invitation. We need to realize that Jesus is not only at the banquet, folks, he is the banquet. Jesus is the banquet and it is an abundant supply. I wonder this morning, do you need to come to him? Do you need to come to Jesus this morning? Is there something in your life that you need pardon for? I wonder, is there something in your life that you need pardon for this morning? Are you carrying some type of unconfessed sin in your life? If you are, I'm going to tell you this morning, whether you realize it or not, you are in a spiritual prison. Anytime that we try to hold on to unconfessed sin in our life, we are in a spiritual prison. But again, I've got good news for you. I know the warden. I know the warden who can break those chains. And his name is Jesus Christ. I wonder again, do you know him today? 
Maybe there's some of you today that just need a closer relationship with Him. Maybe there's some of you today that have never prayed the prayer to ask Jesus into your heart and to repent of your sins. I wonder if either of those categories represents you this morning. Are you certain that you're ready to meet Jesus face to face? Are you certain? Because you know it could happen today. It could happen today. Again, I wonder, are you ready for that? Are you ready for that? And then in verses 6 through 9, will you recognize the crucial issue? Will you recognize the crucial issue? This is a very rich passage of verses right here. Seek the Lord while He may be found. Call upon Him while He is near. You know, it it represents an urgency. It really does represent an urgency. I wonder this morning, how many people are hearing the Lord knock on your heart and you're thinking, not today. Not today. I'm not ready yet. I'll wait till tomorrow. I've got plenty of time. Now, there are all kinds of things, all types of places we could go with this one verse from a theological standpoint. We don't have time to do that today. But what I'm going to tell you today about this verse is don't pretend that you've got tomorrow. You might not. Your heart might stop beating before you get home today. And again, if if that happens, are you ready to stand face to face with Jesus Christ? What would He tell you? Is He going to say, welcome to heaven, my child? Or is He going to say those dreaded words, depart from me, for I never knew you? See, the thing of it is, even though the invitation to salvation is for everyone, folks, not everybody's going to be in heaven Not everybody is going to be in heaven. Only those people who call on His name, who profess Him as Lord, Savior, and Master of their lives, those are the only people that are going to be in heaven. I wonder, is it you? If it's not, you need to take care of that today. Now, as far as the process of seeking the Lord, you remember I said earlier, it represents an urgency. How urgent is it to us? How urgent is the process of seeking the Lord in our personal lives? You know, I've told some of you this before, and I'm going to tell it to you all today. But most of you know that I read, I have a daily quiet time. For the last several years throughout the year, I have read through the Bible um, from January to December. I've done that various ways. I've started beginning in Genesis and ended in Revelation. I have been on structured reading plans. But for the last several years, I have read the Bible through. And if I'm just confessing this morning, there are certain books in the Old Testament that I really don't enjoy that much. If you're being honest, the book of Chronicles is a book that I typically don't enjoy reading. I typically don't enjoy reading numbers, you know, when we see numbers over and over and over and over again. And sometimes it's easy to get caught on that stuff. But about this time last year, I was reading, uh, in my plan one day, I was reading 1 Chronicles in chapter 16. And the Lord used a verse 
that was in First Chronicles chapter 16. He used it to rock my world, and He used it to humble me. First Chronicles 16.11 Seek the Lord and His strength. Seek His presence continually. Right in the middle of First Chronicles. Seek the Lord and His strength. Seek His presence continually. Now, if I'm going to be really transparent to you this morning, I hadn't been doing that. Not at that point in my life. Do you? Do you seek the Lord and His strength? Do you seek His presence continually? Not for 30 seconds each day. Continually. Not just for the things that you think are beyond your control. Those things that you know are bigger than you are, but you know are not bigger than God. But those things that we think we are qualified to take care of. Do we spend as much time seeking the Lord on those things? I wasn't. Not at that point in my life. I wasn't. Things changed. And again, right there, an unexpected blessing in the middle of a book that I really didn't enjoy reading. First Chronicles. He used one simple verse to rock my world. I wonder, do you seek the Lord? Do you seek the Lord? And then I want to talk just a moment about verse 7. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Do you realize that thoughts can be such a powerful thing? Many times when the enemy attacks us, what's he attack? He attacks our mind. He attacks our brain. He attacks our thoughts. He makes us think that somebody's mad at us. He makes us think that we have offended somebody. We don't know why. And most of the time, nothing's happened. But He wants us to think that. We need to set a guard around our minds. We need to guard our thoughts. Because the enemy is working in that particular area. He is. Again, guard your thoughts. Guard your mind. And then, the next, the next two verses are very rich. And they're actually two of my very favorite verses in the entire Bible. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts your thoughts. I'm going to tell you this morning, I am so thankful that there have been times in my life that his thoughts were not mine. I am so thankful that there have been times in my life that his ways were not my ways. Because, you know, many times we go through periods of our lives where we think we know exactly what's going on. We think we know exactly what's going to happen today, tomorrow, the next day, and throughout the course of our lives. Sometimes the Lord says, surprise. I've got something different for you than you would have ever dreamed. And then there are other times. Has there there ever been anybody besides me in here that's ever made a foolish mistake? Aren't you glad that the Lord protected you? Aren't you glad that His thoughts weren't your thoughts? Aren't you glad that His ways were not your ways? Aren't you glad that His ways were higher than your ways and that His thoughts 
were higher than your thoughts. Never forget, God knows your heart. He knows your heart. So many times we go through this process of trying to hide things from Jesus Christ. And the reality of it is we don't hide anything from Him. He knows it all. He absolutely knows it all. And as we move to verses 10 and 11, we're going to be concentrating on just a moment on the sure word. As verse 10 begins, he immediately references rain and the snow. Now, when we think of rain and the snow, a lot of times we complain about those two things, don't we? It either hasn't rained and we need it to rain, or it's rained a lot and we don't want it to rain. Now, if we're being really honest, that's usually what the situation is. We don't like it, whatever it is. It's rained too much or it hadn't rained enough. Or we would like to see snow, we hadn't got any snow, or it has snowed so much we are snowed in and we're not happy about that either. Now, if we're being honest with ourselves, that's the way it usually works. But guess what? The rain and snow are created by God for a purpose. Remember, His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. No, we don't understand when an area gets flooded. I don't understand that. I can't make any sense out of that. I can't make any sense out of it when an area goes through a drought. But guess what? God's in control. And when He sends that rain and the snow, He sends it for a purpose. Neither of those things, the rain or the snow, return to Him until they fulfill the purpose that they were sent for. Psalm 148, verse 7 and 8 says, Praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures and all deeps, fire and hail, snow and mist, stormy wind, fulfilling His word. Remember I said that God sends the rain and the snow for the purpose, for a purpose. In this particular verse, the rain and snow are acting as God's ministers. I wonder this morning, what's your purpose? What is your purpose? Do you realize that God put you on this earth for a purpose? And if you are a Christian, He's called you to do something. What is it? What is it that He's called you to do? And then the second question is, are you doing it? Are you doing it? I'm going to tell you, you'll never experience true peace and true contentment until you do those things that you know the Lord has called you to. Now, many times we go through a process of what we call seeking the Lord, and we hear Him tell us something that we don't like the sound of. We hear Him tell us to go somewhere that we don't want to go. Maybe we hear Him to tell us to move somewhere we don't want to move. Maybe... We have a call to ministry. We don't want to hear it. And so as a result, we run. We say, I'm just going to keep going until He tells me something that I'm happy with that I want to hear. So many times that's how we treat the Lord. But I'm going to tell you something. You will never, ever be able to outrun the Lord. It doesn't matter how physically fit you are, how fast you can run, you can't run fast enough. You cannot run fast enough to get away from the Lord. Again, what's He calling you to do? Please don't ever fall into the trap of thinking that only pastors are called to do something. All Christians are called to do something. Are you being obedient to God's will for your life? 
Remember I said just a moment ago, until you are obedient, you will never have true joy in your life. Do you realize Satan doesn't want you to have true joy? Satan doesn't want you to have any joy. We need to realize, folks, we are in a battle with the enemy. We are in a battle with the enemy. Now, if you were with us this past Wednesday night, what you're getting ready to see in here is going to look familiar and sound familiar to you. But about, I don't know, three months or so ago, I saw an image one day that really caught my attention. First of all, it involves a snake. Now, typically, when we see a snake, what do we associate a snake with? Satan, right? The devil. That's what we associate a snake with. This image was of an eagle fighting a snake. And I think there's a lot of things that we can learn from this analogy, this visual that I'm going to show you. First of all, an eagle doesn't always fight a snake. They don't always fight a snake. And you know, even though the enemy is constantly prodding at us, we don't always have to fight the enemy, folks. Realize that the enemy would love to derail you where you're spending all your time focusing on him and how bad our situation is that we don't do anything for the Lord. But now there are certain times we definitely have to fight the enemy. And in those times, I think we can learn some things from this visual. When an eagle decides to fight a snake, he doesn't do it on the snake's battleground. He does not do it on the snake's familiar turf. Now, where do we normally fight the devil? Exactly where he's got us, don't we? We fight, try to fight him there. But what an eagle does, he gets a hold of the snake and he flies up in the air with the snake. He changes the battleground. And that snake that was once dangerous, that might have been deadly on his own battleground, suddenly is disoriented, suddenly is confused. He is not in his familiar surroundings. He's not nearly as much as a threat as he was on his own battleground. Folks, we have got to figure out ways to change the battleground when we are in a spiritual attack with the enemy. Now, how do we do that? How do we do that? We can do it through prayer. We can do it through fasting. We can do it through quoting Scripture. But now keep in mind, in order to quote Scripture, you first got to know Scripture. It can't be, wait, let me go through every page of my Bible and find some verse that might pertain to this. We've got to know it. That emphasizes the importance of daily Bible reading. And when we are following God's will for our life, when... We are being obedient to God's will. You can be confident that when you are engaged in that battle with the enemy, that the battle's not yours, it's God's. The battle is not yours, but it's God's. And ironically enough, that verse is from Second Chronicles, you know, one of those books that I don't typically like to read. But you know, you can claim that verse, assuming that you're following God's will for your life, assuming that you're being obedient. Now, if you have intentionally placed yourself in the path of sin, it's a different story. Don't try to claim this verse over your life. If you're wallowing around in sin and you say, oh, I'm going to do that, battle's not mine, it's the Lord's, that's a dangerous place to be in if we are not honoring the Lord with our own lives.
a dangerous, dangerous place to be in. You know, I've got quite a bit more that I had planned today. But the Lord just whispered to me, that's enough. It's enough for today. So we're talking about the invitation of salvation. We're talking about that the invitation is to everybody. Come, everyone. Come, everyone. Buy without price. Price has already been paid by Jesus on the cross. But again, even though it's available to all, you've got to accept it. You have got to accept that free gift. Have you today? Are you a Christian? Maybe you are. Maybe you are a Christian. And you've got stuff in your life that you know don't, don't belong there. Jesus is waiting for you. You might even think, I've done too much. I've been too bad. There's no way that Jesus could ever forgive me. That's not true. That is not true. That is a lie directly from the enemy. Jesus died for you. No matter what you've done, He looks at you and He sees His child. He sees the person that He went to the cross and died for. He loves you that much. No, we're not worthy of His love, but He loves us anyway. Some of you, I believe this morning, you just need to be loved. You need to let Jesus love you. Will you do it? Will you do it? Maybe there's some of you this morning that need to forgive each other. I don't know what your burden is, but I do know it's awful to carry a burden. Burdens get heavy. But guess what? Jesus can take them. He can take those burdens from you. He can break those chains and He can release you from that spiritual prison. I wonder this morning, will you accept the invitation? Will you accept the invitation? Will you pray with me, please? Father, thank You for the day that You've given us. Thank You for Your Word. Thank You for the beauty of Your Word, the truth of Your Word. Thank You so much that the invitation of salvation is for everyone. Regardless of social status, regardless of class, You died for the poor just like You did for the rich. And for that we say, praise the Lord. Father, I pray right now that You will just... uh, have your Holy Spirit just to descend upon the sanctuary. Lord, I pray that for the situations where a decision needs to be made, Lord, I pray that it will be impossible for people to stay in their seats this morning. Lord, I pray that people will come freely and pray. Lord, I pray that people will bring burdens freely and leave them at your feet. Father, I pray that we'll see decisions of salvation today, Lord. But most of all, I pray we'll see a time of people just praising you. Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your mercy. And thank you for your grace. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. All I once held dear Built my life upon All this world reveres And wars to own All I once thought gain I have counted loss Spent and worthless now 
compared to this, knowing you, Jesus, knowing you, there is no greater thing, you're my all, you're the best, you're my joy, my righteousness, and I love you, Lord. Now my heart's desire is to know you more, to be found in you and known as yours, to possess by faith what I could not earn, all-surpassing gift of righteousness, knowing you, Jesus, knowing you, there is no grace. joy, my righteousness, and I love you, Lord. Oh, to know the power of your risen life, and to know you in your sufferings, to become like you in your death, my Lord, so with you to live and never die, knowing you, Jesus, knowing you, there is no greater best. You're my joy, my righteousness, and I love you, Lord. Knowing you, Jesus, knowing you, there is no greater thing. You're my best. You're my joy, my righteousness, and I love you, Lord. Love you, Lord. 